Hey folks, this episode um, we're going to be talking about funerals and memorials and we just wanted to throw up a content warning on the front of this that um, we are talking about death, that includes death of close family members such as parents, um, friends, but it also includes um, discussion of miscarriages and death of children. Um, So if you aren't comfortable listening to that kind of stuff, go ahead and skip this episode and we'll see you next time. Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriacht Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. Okay, so we spent a previous episode talking about weddings and wedding scripts and our experience with doing with that. Um, and a lot of times we say that priest work is marrying and burying people. Yep. And so we thought uh, we'd talk about funerals. Yeah. <laughs> not always an uplifting topic, but it's one that we all have to deal with at some point or another. Yeah. And, you know, if we're lucky, we don't have to deal with a lot of them. But then again, you did how many funerals before you did a wedding? Uh, four, maybe five. Yeah. I, I was ordained and did about three in a row, like, within two months of being ordained, did three. Which yeah. was it's rough. <laughs> it's rough, and I remember coming to you. I was like, "Is this all it is?" <laughs> no, no. Your exact words were, "Do you think I'll ever get to do a wedding?" <laughs> <laughs> and the way that it is, I mean, the, the cycles of our lives. Sometimes it's a lot of joy, and sometimes it's a lot of pain, and you just happen to step in at a point where it was a lot of pain. There was a lot of pain. And it was good that you were there for them. Well, in the first year I did, we're all for children. Yeah. But (laughs) it's freaking hard. And um, it's also unlike weddings where you get to sit down and talk to the people who Mm -hmm. are actually the people receiving the, the ritual, Ooh, right. the ceremony. Um, you don't get to do that with a funeral most of the time. Sometimes you do. I mean, I've, I've sat down and planned with, with mm-hmm. people for end-of-life stuff, but um, for the most part, you just kind of have to trust yourself, which is really hard when you're a new priest, and it's <laughs> really hard when you're not a new priest. <laughs> Take exit 55 to merge onto US 219 North toward Ridge Road. And so you've just got to, to to learn to trust yourself. You've got to you've got to learn how to step into that role 
Well, and you don't get a lot of time to plan them. Most like, you oh, don't no. get a lot of time to write them. No, you, you like get, a couple days. If you're lucky, you get a couple of days. Right. <laughs> um, on occasion, you you get people that you don't know that well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually a really common thing where someone who loses their spouse. You might know that person who's come to you, but you don't know their spouse. You, didn't, you never met them, or you uh, you don't remember meeting them. Um, the first funeral I did, I didn't know them at all. Yeah. Like, they, like they had been... I had been recommended to them. Um, and that's how they got a hold of me. That does happen sometimes. And it's awkward when that happens. Yeah. But it's not a problem, usually. It's it's a bigger deal than it seems. I can't decide if it's harder to do funerals for people that you know or people that you don't. I don't think that I know either. Like, so, I think at least when you write for people who you know, like, it's easier to, to, to be able to describe things. Yeah. Right? But when it's people you don't know, you're not as emotionally invested, which is both good and bad, but it, you don't have the same, like, writer's block of trying to deal with your own grief and write for everybody else. Yeah. And so, like, it, I can see it both ways, and I can't decide which is actually harder, but... I think they're equally hard in different ways. I think that's really the, the way that it is. Humans don't deal very well with death. Most animals don't. It's just who yeah, we are. I'd... Um, and funerals are, in many ways, a key example of why we need priests. Yeah, it's like you don't need a priest until you do, and I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> Even people who aren't super religious, a lot of time, like they wanted a completely secular wedding. Um, when somebody dies, they want something. They, they want someone who's willing or able to say words that need said. And they may not know what those words are. But I think they want someone who, like, I feel like funerals a lot of times are about um, acknowledging grief. Yeah. Which is something that we as, like, a culture are not good at. We're pretty terrible at it. Um, and I feel like... They don't know who can do that Except priests Except for clergy members And so even if they're not super religious Like the person who has that skill set Is clergy And so that's where they end up turning Yeah And in a lot of cases too We are unique in a lot of ways Amongst clergy In that we don't often have buildings Or spaces Because Mm -hmm. people will go to the place that has the space To do it we don't happen to, to be that. And so we often have to work with funeral homes and, and stuff like that. Which, fortunately, funeral homes are in the business of being accommodating. Right. It's <laughs> how they make their money <laughs> and how they stay in business is that people actually like them um, to, to some extent. And recommend them and, and that sort of thing. So they will be as accommodating as possible. Mm-hmm. They don't really care what your religion is, which is very nice for the most part. Um, but there's also a really hefty expectation that goes along with funerals. Yeah. 
have to get them right. Whatever that might mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that you... It's, it's certainly not the same thing for everyone. No. That is clear. Yeah, and most of what I've done are memorials. Yeah. As a, like, they're... There, there, there's no body. There's no body. Yeah. Um, but that's most of what I've done. Um, partly because I've done a, I've done three miscarriage memorials, I think, maybe four. Yeah. Um, and then I had one for a small child, and then I had one for an older child, um, and then I've had some like uh, parents who like parents of people who had died who were um, not accepting of the child's paganism and so then there were the memorials like there had been a funeral but then there needed to be for that person a memorial that like did something for them. Yeah, I've done those as well where the family has their memorial, the burial, all that kind of stuff they do it all and then the person's community says Hey, we need to do something. Right. And when uh, when that happened for one of our own, Carmen, mm-hmm. we just said we're we're gonna do it. We're doing a memorial, yeah. And we did a memorial, um, even though the only person from her family who was there was her husband. Uh, but it was important for our community, right, to do that as well. And I I'm of the mind that funerals are not for the living but they are also not just for the dead because the living need help too. Right. And death is not just a thing navigated by the dead. It is navigated by all of us. And that happens every time someone dies. And so everybody needs someone with their hand on the the (laughs) tiller of the boat to to keep the rudder straight. Um, I think that's an important function. Yeah, and for, I mean, for anyone who's listening, I I don't know if you have any, but I have a um, solitary memorial script for people who, like, aren't (laughs) in proximity physically to me um, that I've sent to a lot of people um, because they're a solitary pagan or don't have, like, a huge community or anything um, and have to go to a religious funeral that doesn't really help them. Yeah. And so I have I have a solitary script that I've sent a whole bunch of people that is designed <clears throat> for that kind of work. Yeah, and every so often you'll run into a religious funeral that is so religious that it doesn't talk about the person <laughs> and it doesn't it's... it doesn't help the people. Right. Who are left behind right. <laughs> in the process of death. And that's not useful to a lot of folks. Right. Um, I'm also not a big fan of tightening the screws on the religiosity of the event. <laughs> so if I do a, a ceremony and it is a fully pagan ceremony, because that's what I do, right. um, and someone gets up and says a prayer to Jesus Christ, I'm fine that's with that. That's okay if that's how you process. That's yeah, how you process. It's not about me. It's not about that person either. But right. in the scheme of things, everybody grieves in their own way. And that's fine. It's not a problem with that. 
Um, and so making space for everyone's grief is a key aspect, I mm-hmm. think, of, of doing the work of funerals. I also, I, I, I was privileged to run my father's funeral, which was an interesting experience because my family knows what I do, <laughs> but they don't see it on display all that often. And it was interesting to see that it was just expected that I would do this. And so I put together the whole thing, start to finish. I lined up speakers. I pulled people together. Um, I emceed the entire event, which was another strange thing. Um, <laughs> but... And I gave my eulogy. I let my brother give his and we just we kind of moved through it and it was really fascinating and and deep to me because the process of doing that was also part of the process of my own grief um, which I've experienced before doing this work like with Carmen mm-hmm. I was part of part of, part your of process. my process was writing this and, and doing it but it was a very different experience to, to process it so closely. Yeah. So, and frankly, there are things like that that I would hire out, typically, and have hired out. Um, when it's... When it's not something that I should be writing, I can recognize that. Mm-hmm. This one was one that I had a duty of filial piety to, to, to run... Um, Stay in the second lane from left. Because it let me be supportive of my family. Right. And also bring my skills to bear to make sure that my father got to the right place. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> didn't drink from that first fountain, <laughs> but instead continued on. Um, yeah, but there's definitely grief memorial funeral based things that you cannot write yourself. Like, yes. E- even if you wanted to, like, you approach it and you just you don't have the words for you, and so you have to go to someone else for those words. Yep, and that works out really well, uh, because sometimes you just need to sit in your grief Mm -hmm. and experience it. And that's hard. It's really, really hard. But, it's something that is worth doing and something that is needed. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't always feel like you have to do it yourself, hire it out. That's what we have priests for. Make sure that you're not, you know, in paganism, it's everybody's their own priest, and that's great, and that is absolutely true. But sometimes but you need another person. And it doesn't have to be that way. You're not lesser because you can't do these things. And even if you want to do it yourself but don't have the words, like, go to someone else to get the words and then you can... Then you can do it yourself. Then you can do it yourself. Like, that is okay. Yeah. There are lots of ways to it. Um, But yeah. Funerals are hard. Funerals are really hard. Um, One of the things about kids, uh, miscarriages and young children and things like that, um, that I've always kind of taken as good advice is 
the grief process for losing a child is it's twofold. Different. It is twofold. It is not only the the child that you had, but the child that it would become, right. the adult that it would like become. Like that's that's the language that I've used when I've done all of those. Is is you've you've lost the child, but you've also lost the dreams of like for that child and um, what you thought life would be like. You know. Yes. One of the other common requests that I get is um, death of pet. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've created prayers for that as well. Um, there are good prayers out there. There's the Rainbow Bridge prayer and things yeah. like that. But that might actually be the only common one is the Rainbow Bridge prayer, which is why I ended up writing my own as well. Um, but people feel the loss of pets as much as they feel any other loss. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And how you memorialize that pet is also something that you need to make sure that you're thinking through and, if necessary, hire out to someone else Mm -hmm. who's got the skills to do what you want. Yeah, I definitely hired out when um, Velcro, who was my my cat, uh, passed. I hired out to a fellow priest because I wanted his bones. Um... And because I wanted his bones to come back to me, I couldn't take him to be cremated or anything like that. Um, and so she did all kinds of uh, ritual work throughout the year that he was decomposing and then um, brought brought him back to me. And it was really powerful. And, like, that whole year was full of grief for him, right? Yeah. And then there was a sense of, like, closure when I got him yeah. back. Yeah, the, the tokens and mementos of those who have passed are things that are worth holding on to. Uh, we use, within the Grove, an ancestor box. Mm-hmm. And you could create an ancestor box of your own. I mean, we have a personal family ancestor box at our house. We have a space on our altar specifically for ancestors. Yeah, well, and we don't close ours. Yeah. So. But the, the Grove, we close ours... Um, 11 months out of the year. Yeah, 11 lunar months out of the year. And we only open it on the Druid Moon prior to Samhain, and then close it the Druid Moon after. Um, And during that time, we can add more stuff to it. We can remember those who passed. And it remains open at our Samhain rite as well. Um, What goes into the box stays in the box for those 11 lunar cycles mm-hmm. and then uh, we come back to at the end, at the next year we pull it all out again and we remember again and we tell those stories again yeah so there's lots of cool things that you can do to remember the ancestors because honestly memory is the thing that makes us immortal tell the stories say their names talk about them yeah keep them alive that way Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. 
As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.